Hello, friends, and welcome back to We Can Do Pod Things. I'm Emily. And I'm Annalise. And we're so glad that you're with us today because we are going to be eventually talking about internal family systems. However, we want to circle back to last week because we have so much more to say about Mm. attachment theory, Mm. and we just need to tie up a few loose ends before we move on to our next thing. Y'all knew we weren't going to be able to do it in (laughs) one episode. So, Would you like to begin with whatever was left unsaid about attachment theory for you last week? I do because I want to talk a little bit more about the attachment styles and what they look like Mm -hmm. because we talked about them. We made reference to them without really explaining – what they how to identify which one is even mine mm-hmm. um so i i would like to do that first and i know one thing we talked about last week was how confusing mm-hmm. the names can be um so the we did talk about the four different attachment styles anxious avoidant disorganized and secure sometimes anxious is called preoccupied sometimes avoidant is called dismissive or dismissive avoidant. Mm-hmm. Sometimes disorganized is called fearful avoidant. Which kind of the difference for me between calling it disorganized and calling it fearful is so significant mm. because when you attach the word fearful to it, that's when I hear this is a product of capital T trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. And that's not always the case. When you use the word disorganized Mm. to describe it, that can also be a trap for me because as I mentioned last week, we're discussing disorganized attachment style. I'm like, oh, that's my kids. That's going to be my kids. And then I realized that what I'm seeing in my own children has more to do with just developmentally, they're figuring things out. So they are inconsistent, but that's not the same thing as being disorganized. Right. It's a bit like trying to Enneagram type your kid when your Enneagram is based on your childhood (laughs) trauma or wounding or whatever. Exactly. So I think you are. The names matter. (laughs) Yes. The words matter. They do. Words do matter. I remember that we talked about fearful avoidant was added in later or disorganized. What are we going to call it today? Let's call it disorganized. I would like to call it disorganized. Okay, let's do that. Um, So feel free to correct me if I refer to it as the other label. That one was developed after Mary Ainsworth's strange situation Mm -hmm. because they started, when it was replicated, they started to recognize that there were children that exhibited a little column A, a little column B. A little this, a little 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 that. that. And that's the disorganized is, you're fucked either way. Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to say that. So, okay, let's get back to what does anxious mean? What is an anxious avoidant or anxious? See, look at it. It just happens. Can I say one more thing quickly about disorganized attachment? I feel like when you slap the word fearful on it Mm. or when you always relate it to capital T trauma, Mm -hmm. there is – more of a stigma mm-hmm. with that one mm-hmm. than there is with any of the others. And anytime you attach stigma to something that is a big key to our learning about ourselves, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. 
That yeah. keeps that door locked for people. They don't want to open the door and find out what's on the other side when they think that it's something fearful or scary. Mm-hmm. For multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. It, it it distances us from being wanting to associate with that kind of stuff. But it also, for some of us, might feel like we don't get to claim that mm-hmm. because we had a loving relationship with our parents. Right. And you know, my life wasn't as bad as someone else's. Mm-hmm. And this whole gatekeeping trauma thing that really drives me crazy when people are like, well, that's not trauma. Mm-hmm. You don't get to decide right. that. That's literally the number one rule of trauma. Mm-hmm. You don't get to decide for someone else what is and isn't trauma. Yeah. Yes, you can talk about big T trauma and you can talk about like that is these specific things like mm-hmm. physical abuse or sexual abuse or, you know, and if if this specific actual action didn't happen to you, then it doesn't meet this definition. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Little t trauma. And, and that also just really dismisses my passion, which is people with disabilities, mm-hmm. cognitive intellectual disabilities whatever it may be, all of the things that happen to someone who has an intellectual or cognitive disability are going to be more confusing. Mm -hmm. So maybe getting left at a bus stop, your parent forgetting to pick you up. This happened to me as a kid and um, it did not necessarily fuck me up. (laughs) It's just a thing that happens. But my, my dad was supposed to pick me up from school. He was painting the house. Lost track of time. Mm-hmm. I was in, this was when we did half day kindergarten and I was in the morning. And um, I actually thought it was kind of cool because I got to go sit in the guidance counselor's office and I got a, I got a lunch. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be in the all day kindergarten because some of my friends were too, but maybe it was first grade. I think it was kindergarten. Anyway, um, for me, not having a cognitive or intellectual disability, that wasn't so scary. But someone else who depends on routine, yes, and and doesn't have the same set of logic skills mm-hmm. or and that analytical skills is less likely to have received any kind of emotional education mm-hmm. um, or attention at all. Not attention, but emo- attention to emotions that could be very traumatizing to them because when you don't understand something and you don't have a way of communicating that. And it feels like pure abandonment in the moment. Even though you and I know rationally that it isn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what we know rationally. How does it feel? Right. Anything that happens to that person is going to be, and I'm not saying this to be ableist, it's just a fucking fact. I'm not saying that people with disabilities don't have the capability of understanding anything. They don't have the, I'm not saying that they don't have the ability to learn or do better or, or be productive Mm -hmm. or anything. I'm just saying the fact is that is going to be interpreted differently by their brains. Mm -hmm. And that is going to have an effect on their trauma, their neurons, the neurons that fire together, wire together and their behavior. Mm -hmm. So stop gatekeeping trauma. Yeah. Well, and when I think back to when my kids were little. Well, okay. So I want to say something else before. Yeah. Some acknowledging someone else's trauma, the existence of something that bad that happened to someone else 
does not lessen your own experience. Mm -hmm. So there's enough trauma for us all. We get plenty. You You get get a trauma, and you get a trauma, (laughs) and you get a trauma. That's my main voice Mm -hmm. in my head. Yeah, is Oprah, (laughs) but maybe not the benevolent Oprah that Glennon was referring to. Um, It doesn't. So stop. Like stop worrying about what your what's on your neighbor's Mm -hmm. plate, unless it's. And I know Louis C.K. is problematic. We all are problematic. Stop looking at or worrying about what's on your neighbor's plate unless it is to make sure that they have enough. Mm -hmm. So you know what? If so-and-so gets attention for this shitty thing that happened to them and you had shittier things happen to you, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You both can have weird feelings about it. Right. So just stop. Just stop worrying about what's going on in other people's lives and whether or not they're entitled to that. Mind your own business. Mind your own tools. Worry about yourself. Keep your side of the street clean. Exactly. You wouldn't know what that means. (laughs) When I think about when the kids were really little and they're only 21 months apart. So Mm. it was rough and I was raw dogging motherhood there for a while (laughs) with no medical intervention. And I was dysregulated around them a lot. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that that affected their wiring. And I hope that I've been able to do a lot of repair since then, Mm. but also it still happens. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen as frequently, but it still happens. And so I just, I've been spending a lot of time, trigger warning, this is a recent headline that is horrifying and devastating. We talked about how when all of that wiring is happening for young children, moms are very often going through postpartum depression, perhaps even psychosis. Mm-hmm. Um, moms are definitely going through major hormonal mm-hmm. shifts without a doubt that's Undeniably. Happening. Science. Have you heard about the Lindsay Clancy mm-hmm. case? I have. I, I've heard a little bit about it. I, I haven't done a deep dive, but I cannot stop myself from reading every article, every mm-hmm. piece of information. We don't know and we never will. It's unknowable what happened in that house. But some things that we know are that she had been on something like 13 different medications in the last year. Holy shit, in the last year? That she had checked herself into an inpatient facility at the beginning of the month. This woman was seeking help. Mm. And that didn't stop what inevitably happened from happening. We've got to do better. You know what that reminds me of also, though, is the kid that shot four of his classmates Mm -hmm. and injured a whole bunch of other classmates and his teacher and his parents and, Mm -hmm. you know, like were being held responsible because that kid was asking for help. Yeah. And I didn't – I listened to a – I listened to a podcast about it where they talked about – there was a timeline of like things occurring and this kid had literally asked for help mm-hmm. not only from his parents but from his from his school and didn't get it right and what do we know about when we are threatened mhm when our needs aren't getting met we act crazy yeah when you try we are going to get around to internal family systems eventually and we're going to talk about how when you try and silence your exiled parts mhm in my they notes. just make 
even more no- they're going to find yes. a way to get what they need. We talked about that last week too where the best way to create an annoying child is to mm-hmm. ignore them because they're just going to get louder and more obnoxious yeah. until they get what they want. And, and then that's a that best response, case scenario yeah. if the worst thing you do is create an annoying child. Right. If you are stifling those parts long enough, you can create a violent, really unhappy, really dangerous situation. It's Sue um, Klebold and that fact about the cross section of people who are who commit school shootings, how many of those people are also suicidal? Mm-hmm. Not all of them are homicidal. But all of them are suicidal, or some, you know, like there's a there's a, a statistic that blew my mind away, and it's that thing. It's the you being depressed does not mean you're going to be a school shooter. Mm-hmm. However, we know that people who are depressed and suicidal and aren't getting the help that they need somehow then do get pushed into this this world, mm-hmm. and so when we don't help the the people who are asking for it keep your eyes on your own plate unless you're looking to see if your neighbor has enough mm-hmm. if your neighbor has what they need mm-hmm. and if you can't see their plate ask them do you have everything that you need yeah and you know we look over you look over who decides what's enough mm-hmm. i might look over at your plate and go oh she's got plenty mm-hmm. but that's actually not Bitch, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) We use food to go for a lot of shit, okay? Um, So asking, and there's this phrase that we use a lot in the disability world of assuming competence. Assuming that, that if you tell me you need more, it is because you need more. Mm Mm-hmm. That also, though, then gets tricky because some people have spent their lives training themselves to think that they're okay when they're not okay. Mm-hmm. And how do I even tell you what I need when I don't even know what I need? Yeah. There are not easy answers to this. Mm-mm. Of course not. But why would there be? We all need to be spending more of our time and efforts looking for solutions. Mm-hmm. We spend so much time complaining about the problems and going on and on about how we wish things could be, but maybe not enough time actually brainstorming how to get there. Yeah. I mean, we can do both. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. And that's one of the things that she was talking about was, um, no, actually she wasn't talking about it. I was talking about it earlier today with a music therapist about positive affirmation statements mm-hmm. and how they feel inauthentic to um, trauma survivors because they're not real. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm tough and I can I and and I'm a queen and I'm going to slay today. Well, you might not actually. I'm I might not make it through the day without getting traumatized by mm-hmm. one way or another. So why am I going to say that out loud? That's not true. And how um grounding statements are actually more effective mm-hmm. because they're acknowledging both. They're saying, "Yes, this is shitty and I've experienced it before," which is also shitty. Mm-hmm. But You've survived 100% of your days on this earth so far. Yeah. And 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 using the truth of because I've experienced hard things, I know that I can get through them without dismissing the fact that these hard things exist. Glennon says something along those lines when she talks about how 
her wise Oprah self <laughs> cannot say to her eating disorder part, mm. you don't need this anymore. Right. Because all of society is saying, oh, but you do. Sure do. You do need this. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't be genuine. It's hollow and it- to say, you don't need this anymore. What you say is, I know that the whole world is telling you that you still need this. And you're, I'm going to ask you to trust me and we're going to do this anyway. And it's going to be really hard, but stick with me. Which requires you to do what? Trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And you can't be true to our heart. That's a sin. I'm going to. So, but I, before we leave, completely leave the attachment, yeah, anxious Mm -hmm. or preoccupied for adults with, and this is coming from the attachmentproject.com, the thought, for adults with an anxious attachment style, the partner is often the better half. The thought of living without the partner or of being alone in general causes high levels of anxiety. These tend to be your stage five clingers your um, codependents, your Enneagram twos, the Mm. helper, um, the people needing the external validation, external processors. That is the anxious attachment style or um, or it's also called preoccupied. And it makes sense if you think about what those babies would have looked like those babies were the ones crying the loudest because that was the only, and they were inconsolable when their parents came back because that was how they got their need met was by being the loudest voice in the room. Mm -hmm. This might also look like people with like explosive anger or um, having very big reactions to small things. The avoidant or dismissive or dismissive avoidant Mm -hmm. opposite. If you think about this as a spectrum, and on one spectrum is the stage five clinger, the avoidant and dismissive is the complete opposite of self-isolating, self-sufficient, independent, hyper-independent, um, which in in the real world, that's highly celebrated. Mm-hmm. That Those are all, in, think about how we just, I just described these. Clingy. Yeah. Explosive. Mm-hmm. Versus... Independent, yeah, self-sufficient, internal processes, mm-hmm. unproblematic, but insulated, mm-hmm. closed off, mm-hmm. unfeeling, mm-hmm. or disconnected. Yeah, and and numbing. not just from others, but from self, from self, completely disconnected from any maybe even physical acknowledgement of how their body feels. Mm-hmm. And how confusing that is because, and it kind of is also that whole learned helplessness sort of thing too, where it's just like crying is not going to get me anywhere. So I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So that kind of sucks too. And then, then you get the disorganized. And I was talking about this in therapy yesterday. Yeah. Where I. Shout out to Laura. Laura, we love you. Um, I had kind of a shitty conversation on Sunday and I drove away from that conversation very self-aware and also confident that what was happening was the right thing. And then also the right kind of hard. uh, Yes. I don't like it, but it is the right (laughs) kind of hard. I'm just, okay. We're not going there. (laughs) Um, 
I have a habit of talking out loud because I am an external, well, thinking out loud because I am an external processor and I've started doing it on, um, I'll record myself doing it because then I can go back and look at it or I can refer to it in therapy. And this happens a lot in the car because that's pretty much the only time I'm alone caged with my own thoughts. And I do a lot of thinking while I'm driving. There's something too about seeing the road stretched out in front of you that unlocks something. For sure. Um, And I said out loud, wouldn't it be nice if I just had one set of maladaptive behaviors (laughs) One set of maladaptive coping <laughs> mechanisms to choose from. Oh, how boring. <laughs> but no, I get both. I get shutting down and isolating and um, being emotionally closed off and ignoring, refusing to ask for help and mm-hmm. emotionally manipulative and hyper attentive and making myself as useful as possible, but also as needed as possible. Because if you need me, then you're not going to abandon me. I'm going to have to say this to you again. You're not special. <laughs> we all have both of those. That's true. And that is something that Laura said. <laughs> the person that we're dealing with and what they bring to the surface for us. Right. right. It's just like, it just feels like I, I'm going to question myself wherever I am. Mm-hmm. Like, is this healthy? Or is this dismissive? Mm-hmm. Is this healthy? Am I standing up for myself? I think this is the conversation I had with Laura. When somebody upsets me and I respond to that and, and stand up for myself, is it standing up for myself? Or is it being explosively angry and impulsive? So Abby asks that question, right? Mm-hmm. When your anger rises up mm-hmm. about something and you allow it its seat at the table, You, what you want to do is find out what is the need that's mm-hmm. not being met here. Mm-hmm. And once you know what the need is, mm-hmm. the next question is, what is the best strategy for getting the need met? Here's the thing, though. How do you do that when you're dysregulated? And also, the best strategy may not be... The healthiest strategy, the strategy that has historically worked to get me Mm -hmm. what I need and get my need met may not actually be the most helpful, healthiest, or best Mm -hmm. strategy. I can't, you have to trust yourself, but not so much that you do all the things that you've always done because when you do what you've always done, you get what you always get. I, and maybe if the need keeps popping up and popping up and popping up, it's not actually being met. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a being placated, mm-hmm. but it's not being met. Mm-hmm. That requires a pretty decent amount of emotional work to work through, mm-hmm. and be and thinking and curiosity and thinking about when you're literally still trying to survive. And then, if I don't choose to stand up for myself, or if I don't express what is upsetting me, and I just let it go, am I actually? letting it go and am I doing the right thing by picking my battles or am I shutting down, Mm -hmm. shutting off, stuffing away, pretending it doesn't exist and it continues to exist Mm -hmm. and build up and build up and build up and then I will blow up. My thought about that would be when you decide to let something go, 
it's because your wisest, most authentic self knows deeply that that is the thing that's going to satisfy you the most. Mm-hmm. If you decide to let it go and it doesn't feel satisfying, it doesn't feel like that was the right thing, then maybe it wasn't the right thing. Listen, you're asking an awful lot of me to trust myself and also <laughs> be able to to interpret right like physically, does this feel right versus and then I, you when you've got history of undiagnosed ADHD or other kind of mood disorders, impulse control disorders, because feelings are impulses. I don't know. I don't know the difference between blowing up and standing up for myself. Yeah. Well, you don't pull the parachute when you're falling out of the plane. That's really hard to not do. You have to practice these things, as they say. You've got to practice the skill well in advance of when you need it. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? Practicing it before you need to deploy it. Not to mention you have to buy into the fact that you even need this to begin with. Mm -hmm. Which I think if you're here and you're listening, you're probably in that space, but that doesn't change the fact that there are other people out there that we love and interact with and oftentimes have to coexist with who don't. I'm pretty into this theory. I am too. Maybe it's because I love Amy Poehler and Amy (laughs) Poehler was in Inside Out, which is this totally representative Mm -hmm. of this, Mm -hmm. but I can get down with this. Yes, for sure. You know, what's funny is um, I, for a while, have been talking about creating my own curriculum to use with my folks, both kids and adults, based on Inside Out out Mm -hmm. and how like I'm like why is there not some SEL curriculum that's based on inside out apparently there is it's just was called internal family systems Mm -hmm. and I didn't know that that's what I should have been googling instead of inside out as emotional education and I don't know if there's anything formalized but I know school counselors have been using this and have things on Pinterest and yeah there's a lot of stuff on teachers teachers and you don't need to reinvent the wheel I know I I know. I also But it can be fun sometimes. Yeah. And and, and it's it works mm-hmm. because like Dr. Becky said, it makes sense. It just makes so much sense. I wanna point out, spoiler alert, if you've never seen Inside Out, stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> Get you out. Really want the mystery. <laughs> you Joel, can't sit with us. Right. I appreciate that internal family systems talks about this independent, this capital S self mm-hmm. as being the one the one that is at the head of the table because in the movie the one that's been at the head of the table is joy Mm -hmm. and yes that's part of how we go through the movie and what we learn is that when you are shutting people down or these other feelings then you're losing part of yourself Mm -hmm. and the whole the disembodiment of that and so then it becomes like a more team sort of thing but that doesn't still doesn't talk about that piece where there is a whole. Mm-hmm. There is a whole figure that is all of your pieces put together that is in charge. And I think that's super key. Mm-hmm. And so I would really like for a follow-up movie. I think there's supposed to be a sequel. Shut mm-hmm. up. Well, I hope it comes with a capital S self. Okay, all you Disney execs, we know you're out there. A big old... <laughs> Give the people what they want. Baby 
product of all of the emotions somehow create this capital S self. If you need voice actors, we've been told that we have soothing voices. We actually have <laughs> multiple times. And that is that is not sarcasm. <laughs> That's the truth. So I'm into it. Me too. And I really, I needed to hear her say, don't banish our parts and mm. don't banish our kids mm-hmm. undesirable or what we might consider difficult right. parts. Mm-hmm. When you don't teach your kid the right thing to do with their anger, you're leaving them to figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. And then what do any of us expect when they come up with a faulty idea of how to express anger? Mm-hmm. We didn't teach it. Mm-mm. And I think that there's a decent population of folks who became parents without the preparation of knowing what a parent was really supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I think we have this idea of being a parent and what that looks like and what is and isn't our job. That's Joy's character, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She thinks that her job is to keep Riley happy mm-hmm. and undisturbed, mm-hmm. keep her from being uncomfortable mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. We know parents like that. We know helicopter parents who try to keep all of those things away mm-hmm. so that their kids never have to feel those things and ultimately never learn how to deal with discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it comes from our own shit that we've mm-hmm. have or haven't dealt with but we have experienced and as a parent how difficult it can be when we see our children upset or in crisis or struggling especially if you have a child with a disability yeah judgment free zone nobody likes to see their child struggle no it's so pain it's physically painful of course we're gonna step in and try to make it better But that apparently is a fucking disservice to our kids Mm. (laughs) because it's not our job to go in and turn on the light for Mm -hmm. them. Our job is to sit in the dark with them so that they're not alone and help them navigate the way to turning on the light themselves. That requires us, though, to not be triggered by our own kids' feelings and not be... Oh, is that all? (laughs) I mean, really, it's simple. All of this stuff is so easy. Right? I mean, seriously. And to know whether or not you're being triggered by your kids' feelings, you got to be aware of your own triggers. I mean, and who isn't aware of every single (laughs) little trigger that they have and they can identify why it happens and what what emotion it is Mm -hmm. and where they feel it in their bodies. Like, again, this is all very easy stuff. So it should be no problem to heal from it. So... And that concludes the sarcasm (laughs) portion of the podcast. For now. (laughs) And then we know that generational trauma Mm -hmm. not only affects us emotionally, but physically by gene expression and altering our genes and not the ones we buy from Levi's. It gets a little defeating, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. It does. But we're here to tell you we can do hard things. And... When you give all of those quote unquote undesirable parts of yourself the voice and the platform that they need, mm-hmm. 
and love them, all of those parts of you, that's how you heal. And that is not very intuitive, I Mm -hmm. think, for a lot of us. I don't know if you made it to this part of the episode because it comes near the very end when Mm. they're answering questions. But a thing that was helpful for me, someone asks near the end about their child who is very shy Mm. and very reluctant to do any sort of extracurricular activity. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you recall that my girl, Mm -hmm. my bonbon, Mm -hmm. had shown some interest in gymnastics. And I said, do you want to get into a class? Do you want this to be a thing? We can get you into a class. And her exact words were, I don't like meeting new people. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. Um, so the, the mom who called in, who was not me, but could have been, was asking Dr. Becky, when do I push mm. and when do I not? Mm-hmm. And Dr. Becky said, if you change the question that you're asking, because in that moment you're asking, how do I know when to push or when not to push? Mm-hmm. You're not going to have an answer for that question. If you arrive at a question that you don't have an answer for, it's probably the wrong question, she says. Love that. So what's the real question Mm -hmm. here? And she says, in this moment, the question you could ask yourself is, how do I make the most of this opportunity to get to know this part of my child? And then you sit with your kid and you say, something about this doesn't feel right to you. Tell me a little bit about that. And they'll do it to the best of their ability, depending on how old they are. And depending on your relationship with them. And depending on your relationship with them. Um, And she says, it doesn't matter what kind of answers they give you. You're teaching them to ask themselves these questions. Mm. So even if they're too young to really give you much of an answer, they're learning to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, you don't have to ask, okay, well, now do I push them into this class or do I not? Because that was never the question to begin with. The question was, did I get to know my kid better through this experience? She really is a millennial parent whisperer. <laughs> she really is. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's the why beneath. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the so what. Yeah. Now I know my Enneagram. Now I know my love language. What next? Yeah. Well, and I had never thought about this, but she said, you know – your kid that doesn't just rush into joining things, think about that kid one day at a party. Yes, I that she talked about that in the in the last episode with their peers and stuffs going on mm-hmm. that they are hesitant about. Maybe they're going to take that extra time to decide: Do I want to do this mm-hmm. instead of just rushing headfirst into it? Mm-hmm. Because they've learned that it's okay to take extra time and decide, is this something I want to do? It's okay to give yourself the time to figure it out. This is all really helpful Mm -hmm. for people who are parents or caregivers and raising children. When you're trying to implement this yourself, on yourself, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to combat 30, 40, 50. 60 years of faulty programming or 
not even faulty, but just like inefficient. It's not serving you. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just, it, it, it served a purpose for mm-hmm. a minute, but there's a better way. And you have associated this feeling of butterflies in my stomach being love. Mm-hmm. Is it? Or is it panic? Is it exciting? Or is it scary? Mm-hmm. Is it butterflies because I love the way they make me feel? Or is it panic because this triggers all my mm-hmm. wounds? And I had a moment of, of realizing that um, when I was in an EMDR session and we were talking about like how physically your body feels um, when it was, when I would be like singing hymns or whatever, singing these really beautiful emotional songs about how I'm a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously they don't say shit, but um, how unworthy of love I am or how, um, you know, what a wretched sinner and I don't deserve love and God gives me this love anyways. And when I started realizing the way that my body felt during that experience and I believed that it was love, I believed what what I was feeling was comfort Mm -hmm. and love and good things. And then really starting to realize that's not actually what I was feeling. I was feeling scared. Mm -hmm. I was feeling like, whoa, this is kind of fucked up. Mm -hmm. I was feeling like this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. But I labeled it as love or whatever. Mm -hmm. And how you have to be able to go back. It's kind of like what Abby was saying. You have to be able to go back and know what you're even feeling, what it even is. And and when you're an anxious attachment, then maybe maybe you might be a little more aware of that. But when you're dismissive and it's never <coughs> been safe for you to yes. explore that anger, it's never been safe for you to talk about that specific feeling. So you do everything you can to distance yourself from that. Having to go back and relabel and and re-examine like I've always assumed that this was frustration but maybe it's not Mm -hmm. as an adult that's a lot of work and you can be realistic with yourself from the outset and go there are going to be times Mm -hmm. where my capital s self is not going to be able to reclaim the wheel Mm -hmm. of the bus Mm -hmm. (laughs) and one of my parts is going to do what they do Mm -hmm. and I'll survive it Mm -hmm. just like I've survived it before. Mm -hmm. And we'll try again the next time it comes up. It's not a perfect process. It's not ever going to be something that you go, okay, the the work is never done. Yeah. Check this off the box. And now we can just autopilot for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. I have a note about that. Even Dr. Becky gets it wrong sometimes, you guys. Yeah, I think that because that's real life. And and she her talking about in the last episode, we cannot live in alignment with our kids all the time mm-hmm. because that gives them the wrong example of what love is. Um, this, to me, is Jill Bolte-Taylor, who is a Hoosier neurobiologist, experienced a stroke and wrote a book about it and then wrote another book about it. Um, And she talks in this, in her first book is called My Stroke of Insight. Very clever. My, the second book. We love a pun. We do. 
the second book is called uh, Whole Brain Living. And she talks about the four characters. We've, I've referenced this before. Um, and we should see if she ever does an episode with Glennon because I would love to cover that. But she talks about the four characters in your brain. And then because she has this neuro background, she is able, and she was specifically studying schizophrenia because her brother was schizophrenic mm-hmm. and how schizophrenia, what it looks like in the brain, what it lights up, what, what pathways and parts of the brain and all that. Your brain being split into four characters. Character one is your left thinking brain, which physically is located in the top of your brain. Character two is your emotional left brain left emotional brain character three is your right right emotional and character four is your right thinking so you have two emotional and two thinking mm-hmm. you have two left and two right and the parts of the brain that operate those different quadrants the left part of the brain is logic reason obje- objective verbal self-oriented, categorical, detail-focused, mimicry, purposefulness. So your left thinking brain is the one that has speech capabilities and um, memory mm-hmm. and titles of like what, you know, like this is this thing, this is this thing, this is this thing. Is and it both short-term and long-term memory? That is there? a very good question. Mm-hmm. We can not put sure a pin about in that. that. Yeah, that's a great question. Your left emotional brain is not the logical, analytical self. It is because what do we know about the bottom of your brain? That's where your amygdala mm-hmm. is. That's where your threat response system is. Yeah. That's the primal part of your brain. The sometimes we call it dumb dinosaur brain, which I'm trying to get away from, and yet I still do it. I think I've heard people call it lizard brain. Yes. Um, because that is the instinctual survival oldest part of our brain. It doesn't know. It's got to be a little bit smart if it's survived all these millions of years. Because again, none of these parts of your brain are bad. Mm -hmm. They all serve a purpose. They have kept you alive. They have kept humans alive. So character two is your emotional protector. It's the one that goes... It's more associated with like maybe anger or mm-hmm. or bitterness or s- scared or warning signs mm-hmm. that because it's the one that goes, we experienced this in the past and, and we felt this certain type of way about it and we are not going to experience that again because we are here to protect you. It is the protector. Mm-hmm. Character three, the right brain, but the downstairs part of your brain, your character three emotional, right emotional. The right side of the brain is intuition, emotions, subjective, visual, group-oriented, relational, whole picture-focused, creativity, playfulness. So the left brain is facts. The right brain is figures. The left brain is details. And that's why, you know, it talks about the right brain being emotions, but you have an emotional left side because the left side, emotional side is the quote unquote bad stuff. Mm -hmm. It's the threat response system. It's the primal panic Mm -hmm. versus the right side of the brain being maybe all of the other more creative or curious. And your character three 
is that one that might be a little bit more impulsive and is fun seeking or loves. I bet that's where dopamine lives. I don't know. I'm not a neurobiologist yet, <laughs> but I'm going to bet that's where the dopamine's produced. I feel like my character three is almost completely written out of the story at this point. <laughs> I'm here to, to tell you. We need to resurrect character three. Know, right? <laughs> that's the- Justice for character three. <laughs> she talks about labeling the need to label them. And I have, I've labeled mine. My character three is called Wild Child mm-hmm. because she's the one that wants to go out and have all the fun and experience things and experiment and what happens when I do this thing, then no fear mm-hmm. because fear's on the left side. Mm-hmm. On the right side is all the fun and the good stuff, quote unquote, necessarily. And then character four, the top part of your right brain, your thinking right brain has all of those Intuition, emotion, subjective, visual, group oriented, relational, whole picture focus, creativity, playfulness. In the thinking portion, the top part, so it's not the primal lizard brain. It's the top part of the brain that's a little bit more capable of of putting things together. And this is hard. We need to share a graphic. It is. You know what? We can. Um, we'll put one on our Instagram. This. Yeah. On mm-hmm. um, we can do pod things mm-hmm. with underscores beneath the words on Instagram. Um, we'll put up some graphics. The right brain is the kind of that mothering or that or fathering that that just harmony wants everyone Mm. to get along. My characters are my left character one that thinking analytical, like just the facts, no emotion, really. Um, That one for me is called Applied Behavior Annalise. Because she's the analytical one. She's mm-hmm. the one that analyzes everything. She's the one that remembers the facts and, and statistics and data and loves data and um, is able to do things without it being emotional. Uh, my character, too, is Tika from mm-hmm. um, Moana. Moana. Tika gets a bad rap because they're destroying the world or whatever with their anger and their fury. But that anger and fury was there for a reason. Because... A man came in and stole the heart of Tafiti. Mm-hmm. And to protect itself, Taka was awakened. Mm-hmm. And that's your reactive, your firefighter, if you will. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> my character three, as I mentioned, is Wild Child. And my character four is shockingly Tafiti. Then mm-hmm. the the love, the nurturing, the wholeness. That doesn't mean that you can always be living in your right They're thinking all you. brain. They're all you. Right. Because if you live in your right thinking brain all the time, you assume the best in everyone. There's no emotion mm-hmm. really, really attached to it. There's no fear. You're going to get taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And that's not how we survive. Right. We need all four of them. Not, not one single character is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Learning to work with them together is how you live your best life. And again, super easy. Right. Anyone should be able to conquer this because it's something to be conquered. Right. <laughs> I have always, I've been fascinated by Jill Bolte Taylor's stuff for a while. And then when we're listening to this, I'm like, oh, this is that. This is, they all serve a purpose. We just have to balance the purpose with real life and how we can use that tool to help ourselves rather than hurt ourselves. Mm -hmm. The goal is not to get rid of parts. The goal is not to get rid of 
your character to Taka. Mm-hmm. We don't want to defeat Taka. We need Taka to protect us. The goal is not to get rid of the parts. That's disembodiment. Mm-hmm. Mark it off your bingo board. Don't do it to yourself. Don't do it to your kids. Don't do it to your friends. Don't do it to any of the people in your orbit. If you, whether or not you love them, honestly, mm-hmm. you don't even have to love someone. Just don't do it. Yeah. Because it doesn't help anyone. It really doesn't. It might seem like it's making your life easier. Why is it making your life easier? Mm-hmm. Why is that something that you don't want to participate in to begin with? Maybe just thinking about it. I don't know. It's your life. I like that she talked about um, how there were managers mm-hmm. and firefighters. And that to me is a, is in, a, in behavioral terms is like I've got my proactive strategies and I've got my reactive, reactive strategies. <clears throat> the proactive strategies that I use when I explain that part of a, of a behavior plan are these are the things that we do to try to prevent the behavior from happening to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's not a one-for-one comparison, but those are the things that we're doing before there's a crisis. And then the reactive strategies, once the behavior has happened, this is how we respond to that. Mm-hmm. We react. I have a lot of feelings about these words. <laughs> so the, the firefighters are things like drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Subst- any kind of substance abuse, because those are almost instant. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel the thing. I do this. Hey, wow, I don't have mm-hmm. to feel this thing. It can also be, well, I guess they talk about actually saying super busy, being a perfectionist, being obsessive. Those are the managers. Those are mm-hmm. the proactive strategies. Mm-hmm. That's how you keep yourself from experiencing this thing to begin with. Then when you experience the thing that you've worked so hard not to experience, you're going to, you have to react somehow. How do you put it out? Yeah. And drugs, numbing, sex, whatever mm-hmm. you have to do to distract yourself from the fact that this is going on. It's interesting because I have so much, as everyone should, respect for firefighters. Hell, my brother's a firefighter, okay? Like, it's, they are, they are good guys and women and them. They're essential. They're literally essential workers. They're first responders. They're important. And they fuck shit up. And there's this stereotype about firefighters that I have gotten to learn over the last couple of years that cops are the guys that are walking around looking to see if the building is secure. Firefighters are the guys walking around trying to figure out how to get into the building, how to unsecure it. How am I going to break in there? How am I going to get in? Because I'm going to have I'm I'm going to have to get in that building at some point to put out a fire. I need to know the best, fastest, easiest way to do that. They are the the whirlwind Tasmanian devils, and the cops are the ones that are just trying to keep the peace, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Which means they fuck shit up, which means they're going to go in there and they're going to tear down doors and windows and they're going to knock down a wall if they have to. Mm-hmm. And they're going to rip your seal, their, your roof off to make sure that every single part of the fire is put out. Yeah, because the circumstances require it. Right. And nobody gets mad at them because they're, they're saving your life. Mm-hmm. They're doing your job, but they leave a big old mess behind. Mm-hmm. And there's like, there's a, a free pass to that because they did a thing. They're still a mess to clean up. Mm-hmm. They are the reactors. They are not necessarily the calm, cool, collected. Mm-hmm. They live for that shit. And I'm glad that they do. I'm glad that they're out there. I 
love my first responders. Mm-hmm. I love our firefighters. I love our law enforcement. They're good. And this is still a thing mm-hmm. that is still left. You can't just ignore the fact that when you use a fire extinguisher, and they talk about this, you use a fire extinguisher and you spray foam over all this thing, you have a mess of foam. Mm-hmm. So which is better who's going to clean fire? that up? Yes, it is better than having a fire. But, but also, it isn't an ideal you situation. You can't live in a f- in that foam mm-hmm. for the rest of your yeah. life. Now you have a new problem. It's not as big as the problem that you had before, mm-hmm. but you still got a new problem. Mm-hmm. And it might not be the problem that you anticipated you mm-hmm. would have. And then you have the managers, like like it it talked about her um, example of anger being something that was not safe to display. So you compensate for that by staying super busy, being a perfectionist, numbing, which I think gets you a little bit more into the reaction than maybe manager. But um, the things that we do to try to prevent ourselves from getting there to begin with. But guess what? They also don't always help. Mm-hmm. It's about balance. You can't live in both worlds too much. Right. That's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. I will say also one thing I appreciated about this that um, she said was if the labels are too confusing, don't use them. Yeah. You know, like don't worry about it then. Like it, it left, left brain, right brain, mm-hmm. right character, left character, feeling, thinking, just understanding there are different yeah. parts of you. Imagine it in a way that works for you. Yeah. And it might work for me as an external processor to be able to go on a podcast and talk about this shit with my friend. That's me. That's you. And it might not work for other people. Mm -hmm. If you're an internal processor, all of that is just going to be like hell freaking no. And even more confusing. So don't use it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. That's absolutely okay. Yeah. This isn't even a blessings on your day kind of thing. This is like a (laughs) legit, like that is absolutely fine. Yeah. Make it work for you. Right. You can, there are multiple ways to accomplish Mm -hmm. the job. You don't have to stick to the script. I need us to talk about when they said, you're not looking at your bear cub while you're protecting Mm. your bear cub. Mm. Do you remember that part? So the context of this is when one of your parts comes out really swinging, Mm -hmm. like I am having a big reaction to something. Let's say it's anger. Mm -hmm. That part is the mama bear Mm -hmm. who is trying to protect a version of me Mm -hmm. from something. Mm -hmm. But that part is facing the threat. And when you're facing the threat, you don't have your eyes on the thing that you're protecting. Mm -hmm. And calling to the attention of that part of you that I was once a bear cub, but now I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. And I may not need you to protect me in the same way that you used to. Yeah. I do remember that part because what it brought up for me was in EMDR, part of when we do that kind of work is knowing that you may have these characters that Mm -hmm. you need to, and I don't know if EMDR and um, internal family systems are super, like if they really overlap a lot intentionally (coughs) or what, but. um, The more I learn about all of these theories, 
the more I realize how blurry the lines are oh, between it, yeah. all of them. Oh, yeah. There's nothing new under the sun. All the neurons have the capability mm-hmm. of connecting. Um, but f- when I do EMDR, my protector is Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Captain Marvel comes out when I don't need her to. Mm-hmm. And it's n- instead of constantly telling her, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, mm-hmm. be quiet, be quiet. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Are you fine? And maybe she is coming out and saying, danger, this is something that this has got the potential to hurt us. Being able to work with her and go, thank you so much for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's look at this together. Yeah. You be there ready to respond if I need mm-hmm. you and I need you to trust me that if I need you to respond. Yeah. It's all yours. You Thanks got this. Thanks for showing up for me. Yes, thank you. Instead of just being like go away. Mm-hmm. Because eventually she will not go away. She will come and she will fuck shit up mm-hmm. and because it's necessary for you. And I was talk actually talking about this with Laura yesterday too about doing this thing that starts that gets Captain Marvel going <clears throat> hey, this could be dangerous. And the importance of going, thank you for pointing that Mm -hmm. out. Appreciate that. Let's think about this and decide whether or not it's still dangerous. Do we still not have the skills in order to handle this? Or have we been working on those skills? We know that we're going to have to tread carefully. We know that the ice is thin, but we might be able to get across Mm -hmm. this if we work together. There's... Language is so powerful. Mm. And saying those things to ourselves, even if it feels weird right? Like, at first. Very hokey. But I do feel like there's something to, you know, Brene would say, based on her research from Atlas of the Heart, that we talk ourselves into feeling mm-hmm. a certain way. Mm-hmm. We can talk ourselves into seeing that more clearly. One of the most important things that this kind of language does is to help us realize that this is a part of me. This Mm. is not all of me. Yes. And I don't have to be at war with any parts of Mm -hmm. these selves. They don't have to be at war with each other. They don't have to be fighting over the controls Mm -hmm. like in Inside Out when you when when joy and sadness are gone and the the three disgust and fear and um anger are fighting over shit and it's like no me no me no Mm -hmm. me no me we don't have to fight we all are important we all have pieces and i and it's it is isn't it just so much easier to go through life instead of constantly denying parts of yourself and feeling shitty about it to go through your life and love those parts of yourselves Mm -hmm. and isn't it interesting how when we just acknowledge someone's existence they calm the fuck down even something as simple as saying I'm a person with insecurities mm-hmm. instead of I'm, I'm insecure. insecure. You don't have to buy the label. Mm-hmm. Because the label isn't the why mm-hmm. beneath. The label doesn't really tell us a whole lot. It tells us maybe what kind what it's made of. It doesn't tell us what to do with it or why it exists. Mm-hmm. So she tells that story, Dr. Becky tells that story about how at night her five year old I'm so glad you brought that up talks to his worry Mm -hmm. and says, you're part of me. You're not all of me. Mm -hmm. And you get loud at night. But I also have part of me that is joyful or happy thoughts, boy, Mm -hmm. I think. 
And he's there too. He's just not always as loud at night, but he's still there and we're safe and it's okay to go to bed now. It kind of freaked me out because yesterday when I was talking to Laura about like Captain Marvel speaking up and being like, I'm learning to adjust the volume of which one of these people are speaking. Mm -hmm. And just because it's the loudest voice in the room doesn't mean that it shouldn't have a voice at all. Mm Mm-hmm doesn't mean that it is the only authority, just figuring out how to balance out those voices so that everybody is operating. Bringing a little more homeostasis to the system. I was like, okay, cool. So me and that five-year-old are both working on the same things. Great. Good to know. Aren't we though? Yeah. I mean, really? Yes. And and if the five-year-old is figuring it out now, then he's not going to be 36 years old and trying to figure out which voice to listen to mm-hmm. and which – because you, we, we need to listen to them all. Yeah. I The last thing that I want to talk about is how um, we become stuck at the time of attachment injury. And I remember – I think it was seeing a TikTok about when you – or might have been on Instagram, something, about when you have that strong response, mm-hmm. thinking about this developmentally – from a child development perspective, what age is that most commonly associated with? If you go back to that age, that's where you're going to find your core wounding. Mm-hmm. And for me, mine is it, my biggest re- it response is like throw a fit, right? Like and who throws fits? Two, three-year-olds. And realizing there was an experience that occurred at that point in my life that that was – that was that's where it all started mm-hmm. and that's not blaming anyone or saying fuck you you fucked me up because it wasn't intentional but that was a big moment for me to go back and realize oh the reason i respond like this and when you do inner child work we talk about this like the reason i do this is because that version of myself that started mm-hmm. when it wasn't big t trauma it was little t trauma but that started to protect me yeah it was an adaptation that I needed. Mm-hmm. And then they, we, they talk about it when you heal the inner child, the inner teenager mm-hmm. comes out. And what are teenagers known for? <laughs> Angry and rebellious. Mm-hmm. But you're growing. So then you get to the inner teenager and you can deal with the shit that, that the teenager developed out mm-hmm. of the sense of protection. And then hopefully you can get to being an adult where you ha- are – a little bit more embodied mm-hmm. and whole and working with baby Annalise and toddler Annalise and preteen Annalise and teenager Annalise and all the different versions of me. And this is why- All those bear will, cubs. All those bear cubs. This is why you'll never catch me talking shit about my old self. Mm-hmm. I can hold myself accountable, but I'm never going to talk shit about it because I love her. Mm-hmm. I love all the past versions of her because she did the best that she could. Yeah. And um, I think I've just solved the answer to life. So we've done it again. Uh, Yet again. (laughs) If you haven't figured out how to plot your life after listening to this episode, sorry about you. Yeah. Listen to it again. Go watch Inside Out if you haven't already. Yes. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to express? Every week you ask me this question, and every week I'm completely unprepared to answer this question. You would think after 13 episodes, maybe. But you know what? That's part of your charm, and that's why I love you, because I love that 
doe like deer I'm in the headlights look the that you give thinker. me. Well, it's okay if you don't have any final thoughts. You can say, I've said all I need to say. That's fine too. I, I believe I have. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for all of the input that you give us, the comments, the support. Um, it means so much to us. And we hope that this has been helpful for you, like it's been helpful for us, and that you decide to come back again. So until then, bye. Bye.